Welcome to your Plus episode, a full-length episode of exclusive bonus material for our Plus subscribers. Support from our Plus subscribers allows us to keep making the show and making the show better, deeper, more, better, deeper, good, double plus good. It's only $4.99 a month, which is about a third of a cup of coffee in Manhattan or Paris. For our free listeners, here's a sample of what Plus subscribers are getting this week. So you've made a film about some really strange events. I'm curious what the weirdest thing that's ever happened to you is. The weirdest thing that ever happened to me? (laughs) That's a really great question. I would say a couple of near-death experiences were pretty weird. I almost felt like I was being guided towards life. Like once I was on the Lion Expressway and my car did a 360 facing into traffic in a snowy day. And that's a big highway. And somehow I was able to just maneuver it off to the turnoff lane. And I was swimming in Tahiti and was being pulled out by current. You know, so I feel like there is some kind of, as a, this is the name of a film by a friend and filmmaker, hidden hand out there helping us, you know. But as far as UFO stuff, you know what's funny about that is I always thought that there was something beyond this. I mean, it's arrogant to think there's not, right? I went to the, I forgot what it's called, some kind of like meditation, like kind of like a, a spacecraft convention that they did in the L.A historical park that they started here in Los Angeles. And a bunch of people were pointing up at the sky and they're like, look, aliens. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, I'm, I'm from New York, kind of Brooklyn vibe. So I'm mm-hmm. a little like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, <laughs> like skeptical, <laughs> you know, I'm both skeptical and a believer, as you can probably tell. So, and I looked up and I saw unidentified things up there. I was like, oh, but you know, the funny, the weirdest thing about it, Stuart, was it wasn't that weird. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, look, there they are. I was like, yeah, okay. There were multiple objects. What were they doing? They were moving around a few different craft for a few, for a few seconds, or it looked like, looked like well, something unidentified. And I don't know if it's mass hypnosis. I don't know what's happening. Very interested to see what happens with these alleged documents, you know, like, like, like that thing over San Diego, you know, but like, again, I have other rabbit holes I'm falling into in my next film which is not a film, actually. It's a podcast called History of the Future. And it's about the history of futurism in the United States. People who are forecasting the future, which, you know, came out of this, came out of some of the work, weird work that was going on at Stanford Research Institute, which is a whole another deal. Do you feel like the NDEs or the sightings of the unidentified craft, did they inform your interest in doing this movie, Calling All Earthlings? Or did the film arise from some other source? I think I've always been a seeker, you know, and I did this film called Commune about this commune and always like looking for some kind of spiritual connection, you know, and, and a community connection. I think really the legacy of George, by the way, uh, and we come back to what you were just asking about, is this sense of community. I think like, let's get everybody to get together to paint the fence. And whether the fence fence gets painted or not, everybody gets together. And I think that was the beauty of what George was up to. And it's what's one of the great things about how the stewards of the dome, the family that runs it now, when it's not uh, 
Corona. They let people come in and use it for what, you know, people are attracted to this physical manifestation of something else, of the other, and use it for Tai Chi, for recording music, or for meditation, or for a cookout, or whatever. So, you know, how these esoteric ideas become concretized in this amazing and beautiful structure, just on an architectural level, it's a historical monument at this point, and how that becomes this beacon for all kinds of alternative beliefs. So. What were yeah. you asking me about before? You, was, you, were, you had something else. Just wondering if your own strange experiences informed your work on this film. You shared that you're a seeker by nature, which certainly... I've had a lot of strange experiences, and I don't know if I find them or they find me, but, you know, when I was 14, I was playing in bar bands with 25-year-old guys, and I was a carnival worker, and I was a private detective. So I've always been drawn, and I'm actually a university professor professor at Cal State San Marcos, which is this great school. You guys should take some classes online from us because I'm doing a course on media and the counterculture. So I've always been interested in counterculture, having grown up in the shadow of the 60s, you know. And yeah, again, I see George as kind of like the godfather of all that. <laughs> right. And so did the FBI, you know, like they were on to him and they saw the threat there, you know. Now, an extended clip from Calling All Earthlings, thanks to Jonathan's generosity. Akin to and largely responsible for the sweeping changes in our industrial military posture has been the technological revolution during recent decades. In this revolution, research has become central. This was a man who had an exemplary career in aviation. He worked at Douglas Aircraft and Lockheed and Hughes Aviation. He worked for Howard Hughes on advanced aircraft. The world's largest plane and storm center of a congressional inquiry awaits tests at its dock in Long Beach, California. Van Tassel's relation to Howard Hughes obviously was professional, interested in aeronautics, but they also shared a kind of a respect for uh, or high regard for however eccentric for psychic experience, for intuition, for offbeat ideas, etc. I mean, that's part and parcel of uh, Hughes as the experimental pilot uh, in the 1930s, early 40s. I spent 20 years climbing in and out of airplanes, every kind of an airplane that was ever built. The last four and a half on flight test of Constellations at Burbank, and they don't turn million and a half dollar airplanes over to screwballs. So what happened was, George Van Tassel leaves his whole career behind, moves his wife and three daughters out to Giant Rock. There's really nothing out there, okay? It's rock and it's sand and some creosote bushes. He cleaned out underneath the rock, he built a cafe, eventually got some power run out there, had his water trucked in, opened the little cafe, it was called the Come On In, and his wife was famous for her burgers and apple pie. People still talk about it. They were like, whatever on George, it was all about Eva's apple pie. And he had a big network of people who had planes, obviously. He was an aviator. So they would fly in and hang out with George, and he started to lead these meditations underneath giant rock with the power and the space people. He was channeling the space people and bringing messages through. We extend our greetings and 
love from the council here at Playoff until we register through to you there again. In love, I am Steppus. He took me down the stairs. He had a little room way down under the rock where he did had the where he had the the, uh, the voices coming through of a uh, space people or something, right? Van Tassel, more mysterious dead than alive. Did he really have encounters with aliens from another planet? Were the plans for the I never seen it, and I never um, uh, witnessed it, but thousands of people did. Watched him go into a trance, and it was like a translator. It is highly understandable how people confined to the surface of a planet can become very backwards in their acceptance of life. Dear Agent Malone, the sheriff's deputy said that I should address this to you. My husband and I were visiting friends in Hemet, and they heard there was going to be a flying saucer meeting at the Giant Rock Airport. We decided to see what was going on. We got there around 9 p.m. There were no lights or fires, but then we heard singing. It was home on the range, that kind of thing, maybe 200 people. After that, this man got up and spoke for about five minutes about flying saucers, and everyone started to chant, peace, love, harmony. I thought this would be something for you to know about. To hear the full Plus episode, as well as tons of other exclusive bonus material, Become a Plus member of Aliens and Artists by clicking the link in the show notes. Your support allows us to keep making this podcast.